Welcome to the Oxygen Mass Podcast. If you are here as a parent or caregiver, educator or grandparent, we are glad to have you listening. This program is geared for the autism parent, but we welcome and invite all who feel called to be here with us. I'm Tara and I'm your co-host along with my partner, Beth. The title of this podcast, The Oxygen Mask, is based on a metaphor. Just as you are instructed on an airplane to put on your own mask before helping others, we believe we need to practice helping ourselves as parents so we can best help our children. Hi, I'm Beth. At the beginning of each episode, we'll turn that metaphor, that symbol of an oxygen mask, into a concrete practice, pausing a few minutes each day to quiet our busy minds and breathe into our bellies provides a surge of stress-reducing neurochemicals. With practice over time, we actually build pathways in our brains that help reduce our stress response. So even if you hit play on this podcast about to enter multitasking mode, please take a moment of pause for yourself. Let's begin. Close your eyes softly and bring your attention to your feet as they contact the surface beneath them, rooting you to this moment. Roll your shoulders back. Let them settle in a strong, relaxed posture. Take a belly breath in through your nose. Feel the sensation of air in your nostrils, in the back of your throat. Exhale slowly. Notice your chest fall and your belly soften. Draw another deep breath into your belly. Envision the cool air swirling up across your forehead. Exhale, picturing the warm air going down the back of your neck and over your shoulders. Bring your attention to your face, your temples, your jaw. Take a final cleansing breath in. At the top of your in-breath, bend your elbows and softly place your hands on your hips. Exhale slowly, perhaps letting a smile curl the corners of your mouth. Hold this posture for a few seconds as you open your eyes. Welcome to the Oxygen Mask podcast episode number 20. Um, I can't believe that this is our 20th episode because it still feels like we're newbies to this. Um, And I guess in many ways we are still newbies to podcasting and I still even feel like a newbie with um, my parenting skills, even though my child that has autism is 16. So, um, but there's always new things to learn, right, Beth? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And sometimes we talk on the podcast about information overload. Um, Today we have a guest who's going to wade into information overload with us and and give us some ideas and some tools that have been helpful um, for her and for people that her family she works with. Um, Today we have Jamie O'Connor. She is with Family Voices of Minnesota, where she's an outreach coordinator. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for inviting me. Welcome. Yeah. First off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your backstory, and maybe your role with Family Voices? Uh, Sure. I'll start with my role at Family Voices. I've um, just passed three years with them as their outreach coordinator. Um, You wear a lot of hats in a nonprofit, as you both know, but um, I do outreach to organizations, and we also do peer support and uh, website development, webinars, and things like that. 
Um, for the backstory, I came to this work because I have a daughter who's now 10 years old, uh, who has a rare genetic condition called Williams syndrome. And she was diagnosed at five weeks old. So I'm 10 years into my tenure as not just a mom, but also an advocate and, um, and a participant in the disability world. Can you tell us, you mentioned peer support, say a little bit more about peer support, because I think that's been important for your own journey, but also your organization. Uh, yeah, well, and I'll start maybe on the personal side of that, but as soon as my daughter was diagnosed, I started instinctively reaching out to other families. Um, at that point in the grief process, it was really to have some proof that uh, our family will be okay eventually and uh, see people in action, but it quickly, you know, evolved into being able to access information, tools, uh, advocacy skills that I just didn't have to start on my own. Um, as it relates to Family Voices of Minnesota, we're, we are the, um, the Minnesota affiliate of Parent to Parent USA, which is a, um, a great way to connect families with other families who are experienced and savvy uh, and to provide emotional support, um, informational support. And uh, we also do some parent groups. So some of that is, is done one-to-one -one and some of it is done in a group setting. So there's so much to talk about each of the aspects of the work you're doing, but today we're gonna talk about some tools you found helpful with your daughter and with your family. Um, and also I think in, in working with some of the groups that you organize through Family Voices, it's called Charting the Life Course Framework. Um, how do you wanna start us off with that conversation? Oh, yeah, thanks. I think it might be really helpful just to start with an overview of Charting the Life Course and then talk about maybe the big why we use tools or tools like this um, in our planning and decision-making as parents, but also as individual advocates. Just as a quick history, uh, the Charting the Life course Nexus uh, was created at the Institute for Human Development at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And I like to quote their core belief because it resonates uh, with me. And that's that all people have the right to live, love, work, play and pursue their life aspirations. Um, I think frequently when we think about individuals with disabilities, we think about how to keep them safe and provide basic needs and we don't look at the bigger picture of their good life. Um, so that's just a, a touch point on charting the life course and how it originated. So if it's okay, I, again, we'll do this as a little bit of a personal storytelling um, and you know, that's that in the beginning of being a mom and uh, advocating within systems like medical systems and the early childhood system and school system. I, um, the beginning of that journey for me was sort of all in and believing that in order to make decisions or participate in planning in those systems that I had to know everything and I had to know all the laws and I had to know all the conditions and um, and then also at home that I had to do everything. So we were, we were really frequently over therapying <laughs> our child and, uh, 
I think that's really important to hear because Beth and I have talked about that a few times personally as well. Like, I think that's the first instinct that parents have is to go into like research mode and all the things. And we've talked often about how um, that can be very overwhelming. I definitely got overwhelmed. I shared with Beth that when IEPs started becoming part of our planning, it felt like I was no longer getting to plan a birthday party for my daughter because they were always around that date. Uh, of her birthday that I was just going completely crazy trying to make sure I got everything I could for her. Um, and and I, re- I started to realize early on that our it wasn't sustainable. It impacted our family too much. Um, it impacted our well-being too much. And I didn't get to show up as the parent that I was striving to be. Uh, not that we ever get there, but <laughs> uh, it really impacted that. Yeah, I just, I'm going to have you pause for a second, because I just want to comment that that's really an important point that you're making that, you know, we often go into this kind of overdrive of wanting to help our children. And it actually sort of backfires, right? Like, because you're not really, I mean, you may be helping them to a certain degree, but at some point, um, it's detrimental to the rest of your family and to your personal mental health. And it's not actually that helpful, right? I think that's the whole concept that we talk about on the oxygen mask, right? You got to put on your own oxygen mask first before you can uh, help your, your children. So, and I want to jump in too, cause I'm observing like, okay, in when you are doing an IEP meeting, there's a whole vocabulary. There are service categories. There are, Uh, evaluation findings. Um, So there's a whole professional dimension, right, that you then become a special educator. And then you go to, say, speech therapy or occupational therapy, and there's vocabulary and metrics, and you are drawn into these, like, frameworks, and and you think that you need to know all of that. But I think what we're going to talk about today is some ways that you can name and claim and stand in the bigger picture why um, and the unifying factor like um, of a good life that you mentioned before so that as a parent you sort of can get a better sense of what you're advocating for um, across these systems is that kind of an accurate description that's exactly how it worked for me I mean I I was sort of in the midst of some of that um, those really tough times when uh, it was another parent that introduced me to a person-centered planning tool and family-centered planning tool and vision writing. Um, And that activity in and of itself really began to transform how I showed up and it transformed my um, self-esteem around being a colleague at the table. So that was sort of my first introduction to a tool and I've been introduced to a few, which was why I was so excited to be included in the Charting the Life course. Um, Once you have a a bigger picture vision for your child's life or for your life or for an individual situation or decision, it becomes more free flowing to talk about why you might disagree with some certain aspect of it. Um, and it actually becomes easier to disagree because it is a collaboration in some ways. So yeah, truly letting go of needing to be an expert on all things in education or all things in the medical system and understanding, um, this is probably a cliche, but being the expert on my family and my child, um, I think these tools really help, help 
people show up in that way. So which one do you want to talk about first or a story example tool? What, what do you think? Good question. I think the integrated support star is a really good place to start. Uh, it's such a great visual. And just a quick note. So we don't have visuals, of course, on this podcast, but I uh, will include links in the show notes to these exact tools in the order that Jamie's going to talk about them so that you can be clicking as you follow along with the conversation. So this integrated support star is a star in the middle of a big paper and around it are these colors. Can you tell us the categories that are sort of branching off of the star? Sure. The very top is personal strengths and assets. And I love that, that that's at the top. Um, and then, um, and that's blue and the purple uh, branch is relationships, uh, really thinking about our family, our friends, our colleagues, our acquaintances, uh, when we're trying to either plan for our life or maybe even just solve a simple problem. Mm -hmm. um, the green star in the or uh, sphere in the right hand corner is eligibility based. And so we think about needs based or like Medicaid or government paid programs. Uh, the blue sphere on the bottom left is community-based services. So thinking about churches or uh, groups or camps or other places that you um, express your interest and join like-minded people. And then there's a, a pink or red uh, sphere that is around technology, which personally for our family is pretty huge in terms of fostering some um, independence or interdependence and helping my daughter access uh, her life. So I have um, an observation here too. Like I think one of the challenges that comes with um, a child that has different needs or um, disabilities that from a parent standpoint, there's no roadmap, right? Like that's the frustration, right? So what I kind of hear you saying is this is sort of a way to create your own roadmap and look at systems holistically rather than in silos and individually, which is kind of how we, we bumble about things is, you know, we go to the school and we try to get certain um, accommodations there. And then you're going to a medical professional and comment, but this sort of is looking at things in a, a holistic system. Is that accurate? Yes, that's uh, a great summation of, of how it's looking at things and all the tools to do this uh, that are included in charting the life course. I love the integrated support star as just a note-taking tool uh, and it could be an active note-taking tool in a group where everyone's adding to it or just something that's in front of me. Uh, for example, if a family calls in for support, it can help me guide questions. If we're just talking about waivers, for example, can I also ask, you know, what, what's your community life look like and, and help really guide thought processes and, and questions around that? Yeah, I could see it almost um, when, when I filled one of these out, like almost a gratitude practice of, I didn't even count any non-school supports as, relevant or but there's this neighbor who loves to engage this way or um the way in the in the pandemic um gaming online live and chatting with kids about what we're going to build and that became a great social um bridge that we never i think i wouldn't have valued or appreciated as as 
community before. <laughs> and I think it's interesting to think about how much our lives changed during the pandemic and what it would have been like to fill this out before you know, prior to that happening and then having to see some of those areas decrease and figure out how to fill our family's needs, um, especially around the community-based and relationships. So looking at it in a bigger picture kind of way would help, at least for me, like if something were to kind of disappear that maybe is super helpful for my child um, to understand that there's, that's not all of it, right? There's other things that can step in and take the place of or, or ramp up. And so I just really like how empowering this concept is, you know, um, that's what's striking home for me. So. Yeah, I really liked the trajectory tool as well. We've been talking about the integrated support star, but I've seen some really creative uses of the trajectory tool is basically an arrow going from bottom left to upper right. And at the top, it kind of has a box to name what you do want um, for a good life is sort of the question. And at the bottom is sort of the trajectory you don't want to take more of a, a flat arrow line that down to a box that would say um, what I don't want for my life or for my child's life. Yeah, one of the versions also has a couple of blocks in the um, on the left-hand side that talk about past experiences that have influenced your trajectory already, some positive, some uh, negative, and then also a, a block for future experiences or even current ones that are involved in that. I This is a great visioning tool. So this is a great way to get to that vision before your IEP meeting, for example. Um, and so one example of that would be if, if, um, if my daughter's vision of a good school life is to be participating with, um, in gym with her peers, uh, then it helps me advocate for her not to maybe be pulled out for that, you know, where as, you know, the opposite example would be if she really, really wanted to be successful in a certain sport, it might drive us to say, oh, you know, she really does need to be pulled out for skills training. So that sort of simple visual. And then another way I saw someone else use it, Beth, was, uh, was to process through uh, a trauma. And uh, you and I have talked about that before, but she actually just played out, um, you know, a traumatic event in her life and how she grew out of it and the resilience piece of that. And it reminds me of that gratitude practice that you mentioned with the integrated support star. Yeah, so in that processing a trauma, there's um, past experiences that I don't want to repeat. And these are the steps and actions and supports I've relied on, integrated and taken to, to move from that traumatic experience into sort of realizing safety and realizing self-confidence um, or uh, courage to, to move. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that the part about a past experience, um, as a family member, I don't always want to spend a bunch of time, like with, say we're at a new school, it's relevant what we experienced in our last school. It's relevant that we know, you know, that recess and gym and hallways are the challenging areas, but staff tend not to notice that because it's not a direct kind of category of the schedule. And so 
um, it's, it's to bring that up and say, you know, we've had things get sort of spiral out of control where we could have used support earlier in some of these unstructured spaces. Or I think that's really cool to have a visual to put on the table and share with people so that, um, that it is connected to a why. We're here around this table to shape the IEP goals and plans and steps. And, and it kind of just seems like it makes a clear connection to the why that you would share that. I like that concept too. Like, and you keep talking about this too, like Beth, about the why and, and how the vision for a good life is going to be different for, you know, the, the goal, that end piece is going to be different for each um, individual. And so I like kind of, if you were going to go into an IEP meeting with that and say, you know, this is what our end goal is to your point, Jamie, it could be different. Like for somebody who's very interested in sports or, you know, achieving in certain ways. Yeah. The, the end goal is going to be far different um, than somebody who I keep thinking about, like um, there's a, a need for, or, or a desire by a couple of educators in our uh, circle of wanting my son to um, foster friendships and, to him, that was very taxing, you know, like he needed to do it in a different way and it needed to be at school and not necessarily outside of school when he was young. And it was just interesting, like their goals were different than what was right for him. And so to lay that out on the table ahead of time and get everybody kind of moving in that same direction that the arrow is going, I, it's just so helpful, you know, to just call it out, right? Because someone's going to make assumptions or expectations that are going to be different when, than what yours are. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, I came from a little bit of a, a snapback from being like, I don't want my daughter ever excluded ever to using that vision as a way of saying what's important to her, uh, you know, and, and for her, being amongst her peers is important, but also there are skills that are important to her. And so now we go in and say, you know, what's the big why for pulling her out? And there's plenty of big whys out there for doing that. It really shaped my um, idea as a parent about how she was educated um, because I was very linear about that. That's a great example. Like, um, I remember thinking like they wanted to encourage him to be a part of a lunch bunch. And I was like, no, because he needs to foster friendships in a different way. Lunch is like his downtime. He prefers to have some solo time because he needs to regroup and recharge for the rest of the day. Whereas like your daughter, that might be a perfect opportunity to cultivate those social skills that she's looking for, social interactions that she's looking for. You know, I think this might be, oh, I haven't thought of this before, but I have such a strong inner skeptic where I make one choice and then I argue my way out of it, or I have a critical lens of breaking. So for your example of, you know, any pullout, well, any pullout is bad, you know, and I don't want it. But yet, actually, if we really um, have these goals, and we want to be able to use these skills in a kind of real social context, we need additional help doing that or so that would help you be more firm in your understanding of your rationale for, for those choices. No, but I, I appreciate that because it's always the big why and I'm always like, and what is she missing? Because is it something she'll regret missing like music or is it something she'd be fine missing like art? <laughs> you know, so yeah, it really shapes those questions and it's so helpful in all planning. So what do you say? Again, I just mentioned my inner skeptic. I'm just overwhelmed. We're doing 
school, we're doing therapies, we're doing, I can't think about the future. I, I can't afford to zoom out. I am just like barely crossing the finish line every day. What would you say to that sort of um, thought process that I think is me on a Friday, <laughs> typically, <laughs> like I'm done? <laughs> yeah, and I don't, you know, I feel like the pandemic has really highlighted this for everyone. Um, we were already isolated and overwhelmed and both of those things have gotten pressed hard. Uh, I don't think these ever have to be prescriptive tools where you have to go print this paper or you have to write it or you um, have to look at it. I think simply accessing them um, in a way and a time and a length of time that feels helpful uh, can just change the way that you think about things. Uh, so, you know, for me though, I would point out that this type of planning can help you identify what areas it's okay to let go of right now. You know, I think about the time in my life before I discovered some of this and started to dip my toe in when um, my youngest son's life was going from therapy to therapy with his sister. And so really identifying what we can let go of now doesn't mean we're letting go of a vision for a good life. Um, I think is a nice way to, to think of it, but never pressure to use something in a particular way or go any deeper than you can in any moment. I think that's so important to, to be able to identify what you can let go of because usually I'm holding on too tight to everything and then I crash and burn. And so there, there needs to be a, a practice of letting go. And that makes me think of that, um, the integrated support star. I just talked to a family who, you know, was, had gone through diagnosis and was recommended further therapy, but was already doing specific therapies and then felt like, okay, what do I do? They're recommending this. And, and so, um, you know, just to look at, okay, those would be in those, that eligibility point of the star, and we already are pretty loaded there. So is there a way if we transitioned out of something that we're currently in that it could be, so maybe it's a social group or a speech thing that could be integrated into um, like a summer theater opportunity or something that is more community-based with support. Um, so you're shifting your weight across these areas in the star that's interesting, like to, um, I'm, I'm picturing the visual, right? Like if you're heavily loaded in one area or another, that's not really getting, giving balance to everything, right? And maybe that's where we end up feeling overwhelmed, right? Like the constantly shuffling to different therapies. Um, yeah, it's not that you want to stop doing things for your child completely, but how do you balance it out? So I'm, what I'm understanding is that's a tool to help see the picture so that you can balance your, your, uh, resources, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, one simple way, if you have access to like printing that star and taping it up somewhere and every once in a while, just jotting something that you're thinking about. Uh, but, you know, some of the vision planning has helped me identify that maybe private physical therapy isn't the best for my socially motivated daughter. Maybe that, that dance class in the, um, in the school after school is, is the best way for her to move and feel motivated. Uh, and another example of that overwhelm is knowing she needed 
uh, reading tutoring over the summer and uh, coordinating with her school care so that they could do it there. And we just, as parents, didn't have one more thing. I, I think you're spot on. It helps you rearrange all of that. I really like that last example you gave too about reading tutoring happening in the school program because that's you as you advocating for a, a more of like an institutional bridge that might actually be benefit a lot of other families and and naming that asking for that making it happen sort of could pave the way for other integrations like that 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 would benefit a lot of people when you were talking i was thinking that to me it feels like the difference for us as a family but then also as we build our daughter to be a self-advocate the difference between showing up and asking what's available uh, then showing up and saying these are my wants and needs how can we work together to meet them can you say that again, just so it soaks into my brain? The difference between? The difference between showing up and asking what's available to me uh, and showing up and saying, these are my wants and needs and how can we meet them? Yes, one of those is so much more um, standing in a sense of self and a sense of worthiness. Um, I love that. That's a great difference to, to point out. Yeah, it really models, um, like you said, you're teaching your child how to be a self-advocate, which is kind of tricky to do. And But if you're modeling it in that format, it makes it much more clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is super empowering. Like, I just think, um, I wish I had known some of these things when, when we were um, very new to all of this. And I think it just would help a lot of folks to kind of, like you said, dip the toe in and, and figure out what works for you, right? Like, I, I think we're always advocating on this show that um, no one needs more shoulds, but here's another opportunity for you to um, figure out what works for your family and empower you to work um, with what's best for your family. So if people wanted to have a look at more about what we're talking about, like where could they go and, and um, where could listeners find out more information about what you know, the, the tools and the things that we've been talking about? Uh, that's a great question. And I, I do want to circle back around and reflect back to you, Tara, that frequently when we've been doing some of these activities and when families use these tools, they, so they sometimes get emotional about, um, you know, having to look that far ahead and, and also what maybe that would have impacted in the past. Uh, so I've heard a lot of parents share that that's emotional for them. Uh, but to talk about where families can access this, the tools, uh, there is um, a website for specifically for these tools, lifecoursetools.org uh, dot, dot or .com, I think. I will, I will make sure I get the right one in the show notes one way or another. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, the Disability Hub of Minnesota has uh, integrated these into their website, and I personally find them very accessible on that site in particular. So for, for Minnesota families, it has a couple of the tools, and I also noticed they had a profile page, so a way for self-advocates to build a little one page about me and your interests and, uh, and um, relationships and things that are important to you. I really liked that. Um, and then Family Voices of Minnesota has a webinar coming up on May 25th. 
our Jane St. John uh, from the Institute for Human Development at the University of Missouri, um, Kansas City will be presenting on the trajectory tool that we talked about, which is one that I really think is helpful for, for vision writing. Uh, and that webinar will include some uh, parents presenting on how they've used the tool, which is always uh, really helpful and in inspiring us to maybe try something a little different. That sounds like a, uh, an amazing tool. That sounds wonderful. And um, a webinar sounds really cool. So thank you for sharing. I think what I'm excited about, just thinking about this, like I know it can bring up emotions, but I also love how so many of the stories just help you A, understand your child better or the person who's sharing the example understand their their relationship with their child and their child's personality and interests and also gives you sort of a, the courage to step into the unknown or it helps sort of pave that first step into something new like I'm we have junior high on the horizon and I think oh my god you know the stereotypes about teenagers and junior high and um, just kind of helping me think about that transition and in a healthier not so um, stereotype and dread laden sort of way but I really see who my kid is and I can anchor into his interests and strengths and and relationships so I've been thinking about our transition to middle school, Beth, and, yeah. uh, and I already have like, well, they don't have after school care. She loves after school care in middle school. Could I advocate for her to go across the street to the elementary school and let her be more of a leader there for a year or two? Oh, and yeah. I, and I always, I always think that they're going to roll their eyes at me. But really, I think, you know, they are looking for innovative solutions to problems mm -hmm. that many of our families face. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for, for talking to us about this. Um, I'll put a link to the event of your webinar that's coming up, and I really want to listen to, into that as well. And then people can actually see some of these tools and examples. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. You can comment and subscribe to the podcast at Communities Engaging Autism's website at www.cea4, that's the number four, autism.org. Share the podcast with members of your village to strengthen those essential connections. And above all, please secure your own oxygen mask before helping others.